Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the revolutionary. <laughs> and I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, disgruntled web developer. Uh, welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into a Storm of Swords, Jamie the Third, or Jamie Three as it's called uh, over here in the States. And uh, this, is a, this is a doozy. Uh, we, we, we see Jamie lose his hand in this one. And uh, still always one of my favorite scenes in the books obviously the show was great too but also some really great lines of writing in this chapter as well so i'm excited to get into it matt you were you were gone last week you you left me yeah man real quick i just i before uh today's episode is probably gonna be pretty long because you know jimmy and i always catch up here and i just went to italy so it's gonna take a little bit to get through our sort of catch-up session and i want to you know and i'll explain why i chose the revolutionary as uh my title for today but before we get that i do just want to hype this episode up a little bit because i am really excited because this chapter jimmy um man i was reading it uh you know listening to it and i actually listened to this twice because normally i just listen to it once and then i just we just go in and we and we discuss it during the week but obviously i was out last week so i actually listened to this twice and then i actually have another chapter from a Game of Thrones, actually, that I'm going to be doing some comparisons with because I think actually it's a great comparison and something I never really picked up on until I actually went back and listened to that chapter as well. So I'm really excited because uh, we'll get into it when we get to the episode, but let's dive into, you know, just our sort of a weekly catch up here. So Jimmy, I almost went with the disgruntled as my name uh today and sort of you know explaining my trip but i would i'll toss it to you first man how are you doing thanks for holding down the reins bringing lady joanna back on i mean you're the disgruntled today so you know what's going on man i mean the feedback was overwhelmingly positive a lot of people said you know maybe we put ezra out the pasture maybe it's time time. (laughs) jesus No, uh, Lady Joanna was excellent last week, and uh, all the uh, positive feedback was really cool uh, to see. But, uh, I mean, we covered a doozy uh, last week in that Catlin chapter where she pretty much accepts Rob's going to die. Uh, it is it is pretty brutal. But, uh, yeah, dude, I'm just, uh, you know, some days I wonder. I have a great job. I think I have one of the best jobs in the world, being a developer. But there are times where I'm like, what else could I be doing with my eight hours a day? <laughs> You know, uh, just because I'm so passionate about like this stuff and there's other hobbies in my life I love. And uh, today's one of those days, man, that uh, tests your will. And you're like, maybe I don't need a house and a car. Maybe I could live in a box and not have not be a wage slave. You know what I mean? 
I uh, did. I know, man. Trust. That's why you guys got a strike. All right. Hey, my work. We we went on strike. I was actually gone for it. I, I was say you were out. in Rome. You weren't striking. I was. I was literally. I went to Italy. But I put in. You know, I didn't know we were going to strike. I didn't think we actually would. We did, and uh, man, we just got an enormous contract. Uh, so boom, I just got a huge raise. Thanks. And that, does that mean that, does that mean the podcast is getting a raise or, or new equipment? Like, what are we talking about? Here? Oh, I'm gonna have to. Yeah, my my MacBook Pro spacebar started going out over there while I was over in Italy trying to you know work on some of the back end stuff. So it's it's about time to put that yeah. thing out the pasture and get and get a new. Mac. I think I'm gonna get an Air. You know, I got I an and I like it, but you know, a big thing that it doesn't have that you're maybe interested a fan. in. Well, <laughs> the it cannot power a focus right for your microphone. Oh, yeah, it doesn't have the so output. I'd have to, I'd have to get like a USB with power. Yes, very annoying. And I regret buying the air now. <laughs> I, I, and that might be different for the 15 inch, but I have the 13 inch air because my MacBook Pro keyboard also went out and uh, I got the 13 inch air. I'm like, I'm going to go with the more portable thing because I have my Mac mini and my MacBook air does not power my focus right for my microphone, which is very annoying. Yeah, well, my focus right is getting it's about time to put it out to pasture. Well, good thing you so... got that race. This stuff's not so, cheap. Man. This, hey, this, 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 this stuff is not. So, ah, uh, well, let me tell you, Jimmy, here's why I chose the revolutionary. Okay. okay because okay. as far as I'm concerned, you know, they say time is cyclical, you know, the, the history just repeats itself. All right. Things just have, you know, it's like things happen. You look at it now. It's like, Hey, a hundred years ago, there was, uh, the Spanish flu, right? Oh, mm -hmm. and then you fast forward. It's, it's COVID. It's like almost like the same things happening. I literally fly over to Italy and all these stuff starts going down with Israel and Hamas. And they're saying that we might not be able to fly back because there's it's I like, didn't it, even think about that. It's it's next door. I mean, you know, it's it's literally like the next door neighbor with all that stuff going on. Anyway, actually, that stuff didn't impact us. But a lot of people there, like actually hearing people talk, they were real all talking about it because it yeah. is a lot closer. You know, over here in the United States, we talk about it as if we have, you know, any actual involvement in it. But um, over there, I mean, dude, it's especially as, as we went further south, you, you know, because we went to Venice, then we went to Florence and went to Rome. So you're getting real down way down there. And uh, yeah, so that, you know, they were they were definitely talking about that over there. Anywho, the reason I chose the revolutionary is uh, I think it's time for 1776 again, because British Airways is the single. Uh, this is a rated R podcast. And I normally actually keep it PG-13, but I'm about to go rated R here because British Airways is the single biggest piece of shit airway airline that possibly exists because they're terrible. I mean, it's like I've had I've had bad experiences with air, airlines before, you know, I've had better experience with Spirit. I've had better experience. With no, Frontier. you're serious. Better than Dead Spirit. Serious. Uh, spirit i would i would I've heard when you spirit. walk on spirit they spit in your face and say nice to see you yeah but uh i've never had i have never had i've actually never had any issue with spirit i'm sure they no, I've, I've never even flown. I'm, I'm sure we fly them a lot from portland to uh vegas because it's like pretty short i don't yeah. know that i would want to do like or your baggage gets transferred. We have a layover with Spirit. Anywho, I've flown Spirit a lot and I've actually really never had any actual issues with them. Um, but yeah, dude, British Airways. So 
we go to the terminal in Portland. Okay. And we're supposed to fly Portland to London to Milan, Italy. Okay. As soon as we get on the plane, they're like, Hey, your flight's canceled. Your second flight, your, your London to Milan. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, whatever. So then we also chose like an aisle seat and a middle seat. And we get on there like, no, actually, you guys are too too middle seats. So I'm like, well, we have the like ticket and we have the email confirmation. I'm like, well, that's not what we show. So like, I don't know what to tell you. So we're like, okay, we'll just have to have our credit card deal with it when we get back or whatever. So we get on the plane, do that. You know, actually making it there was kind of okay. Although the food on the plane was terrible. And, uh, you know, but whatever. It's airline plane food is not bad yeah, but it's I mean, actually it's like, on like it on that long of a flight they actually give you like meals and it was pretty mediocre at best anywho so we get over there we get to london and they're like hey your flight's canceled so now they're like okay what we're gonna do instead is after we th- after we get there and we have to go through like security again and you know you're flying from different countries so you have to like get all your stuff checked and all this stuff so we get there and then we go to like the British Airways desk and like the lady at the front there doesn't know what's she has like no idea what's going on. She's like, well, I don't know because I'm not even like showing you guys in the system as if we don't have tickets. Or like we have here's my boarding pass. Like how like I don't I don't know what to tell you. Like I have a boarding pass. It should be so simple to just run this and type in the numbers. Somehow they lost it. Oh. So they have getting their boarding pass. Then they give us these like meal vouchers. So then we fly from London to Madrid. We get to Madrid where we're now supposed to have a connecting flight to Milan, Italy. We get to Madrid and we get to our gate and they say, nope, plane left. They left early. So <laughs> they, left early. they left early. So there's eight of us. There's eight of us, and uh, that were all on the Portland flight to London. Same thing, and they were there before the doors closed. They said, "Yeah, they wouldn't let us on." Oh, yeah. So the eight of us turns into like, like I swear to God, like at least twenty to thirty people that were all messed up by British Airlines. So we have to stay a night in Madrid. So they send us to this hotel that. Obviously, I don't. It looked like it was being, it was under construction, and like I don't even speak Spanish. So like, thankfully, like Teresa like spent a year in Spain. It's like pretty fluent in Spanish because none of them spoke English. So like, if I were going by myself, I'd be like fucked. Like, I mean, I would just, I would just be, I would be like, <laughs> I uh, no, ob- I would be like, como se dice every single word that I need to tell you because I have, you know, I have no idea. So anyway, then they give us like a, a voucher for you know, dinner and stuff like that. By the time we get over there, their restaurants closed. So the like guy at the front desk literally is like handing out like a brown paper sack, like peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like was it good dinner? It was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I mean, (laughs) I've had some pretty fire PB and J's. It was, it was mediocre. It was not fire. Spanish PB and J not, not where it's at, huh? No, you know, they over there ain't Europe's way more hardcore about the food. You know, they don't have all those great additives that we have here in the United <laughs> States. <laughs> so at any point, did you think about just going back home? Yes, very, very much so. So anyway, then we go to sleep in this hotel. I sent you a picture of it. And I was like, I was like, dude, this thing's like under construction. I was like, this is the tiniest little entertainment. I was like, I whatever. I've had to check for bed bugs to make sure you know didn't have bed, bed bugs or anything. Same thing. We're supposed to get a good. We're supposed to get a breakfast at their restaurant, but we had to leave early to catch our flight. You know, 
the, the whole deal. So anyway, then we finally get to Milan and where we were we actually had a hotel like we were supposed to like because we were supposed to fly directly in, have a hotel, take a train from Milan to Florence, which we did end up doing. But we had to reroute the whole thing. And uh, I don't we were have to call our credit card and all this stuff. Anyhow, so that was experience number one. Right now, the second the second thing was flying out, which you would think hopefully is going to be <laughs> fine as well. So the day before, we're try- we're gonna check into our flight. I'm literally in the Vatican, like you know, <laughs> I'm at the, I'm at the Pope's house, and I was post I was making jokes on Twitter and sending you guys jokes about the the Vatican has no Wi-Fi. Like, can somebody ask the Pope his thing? So maybe it was God being like, "This is what you get for making fun of the Pope." Okay, it's possible. I mean, it's possible. Well, we're trying to check in, and my ticket is showing, but Teresa's isn't. And we booked them together. Like it's, they were booked together. Like, well, we don't even show you having a ticket. So, okay. So now we're in trouble because we're over in, we're, we're, we're flying out the next day and the time zones are all jacked up. Right. Cause mm-hmm. like, so we have to call like the, we're in Italy. I'm like, uh, I hope this is the right number. I don't know. Cause it doesn't look like a one 800 number. It's like zero. It's got extra digits and stuff. Cause you're overseas. So we call and it sends us to some, you know, thing in India where the guy's like, you just have to go to the airport. It's like, no, why can't like, you should be able to pull it up on your computer or whatever. He's like, no, you just have to go to the airport. He's like, I can't help you. So we have to wait for like two hours. So we like leave the Vatican where we're like, you know, trying to see everything, go back to our Airbnb to try and check into this flight. And then we end up calling the United States and they're like, well, we're not showing anything other. So then we have to call our credit card company, which is Chase, you know, Chase Bank. Chase uh, literally calls them and in 10 minutes later is like gets it figured out. Okay, now we're smooth sailing. Another bump in the road, but at least we're smooth sailing. Yeah, you're gonna get home. Until the next day when we show up to the airport and they're like, oh, actually, we had to reseat every single person. And I mean every single person on the plane. So they moved like every single person's seat on the plane like around. So like everybody, then they're like, well, you still had because we paid for like an aisle seat. Because my back's bad and you know, Teresa's pregnant, so she needs to get up a bunch. So we bought like an aisle and a middle seat because it's one of those big planes where you've got like two and then like the four in the middle, you know, and then like whatever. So then they tried to take our bags and we're like, absolutely not. And we had to go full care- American Karen on them and just be like, absolutely not. I was like, Abs- uh, abs- absolutely not. Uh, I don't care. You have to call the U.S. Embassy. I'm going to get Joe Biden on the phone. Like, I don't care, dude. You're not taking my bag because you're going to lose it. And so... We went full Karen and they finally let us do it. I hate doing that, but we just had to, had, had, had to freaking do it. Then we get to London and the people behind the people that are on the same plane with us were trying to fly to Phoenix and they did the same thing that they did that, that all those people, they did the same thing they did to us on the way in where they're like, they're oh. all checking in and it's like 40 people. And they're like, yeah, that flight to Phoenix, it's leaving early. So all these, all these people are going to have to wait. That's a wild thing, dude. It's so awful. So as far as I'm concerned, I, I have not called British Airways to complain yet because I'm doing it here on, on the podcast, but I am going to call them and I'm going to be the rudest American possible. And I'm totally 
you know, I, my blood was so pumping. I was ready to call him back. Have you guys ever heard of 1776? How about 1812? You know, like if it weren't for my grandfather who fought in World War II, you'd all be speaking German right now. So, I mean, dude, like <laughs> I was so... I've never been more upset by anything in my entire life than the entire British Airways experience. So I would encourage anybody, if your option is to fly British Airways, quite literally do anything else possible. Swim the channel if you have to. You know what? I mean, whatever you got to do, do not use them. It doesn't sound uh, great, but was Rome at least awesome? It looked oh. amazing. You know, actually, Venice was the coolest of the cities. I've heard that. I've heard a lot of people say Venice is actually like. The yeah. Coolest, yeah. The so the cities food. themselves, the cities themselves were were definitely cool. So now uh, some fun, some fun things about the trip. Yeah. The cities themselves were cool. Our hotels got progressively better, and I felt like the cities got progressively worse. So we did Flor uh, Venice, Florence, Rome. Um because we did like Airbnb last, thank God. I couldn't sleep in the second hotel in Florence because there was this like old air conditioner and it was just so loud that it's like I'd fall asleep for like two minutes and wake up. Um, but Venice was by far the coolest city. Uh, you can't drive anywhere on it, so you have to walk everywhere. And it's got these little bridges. Mm -hmm. It quite literally is like the hotel in uh, Vegas, uh, except, you know, it's like, it, I, you know, like, like if you've been there, like it. That is very much actually what it's like with like the little bridges you have to cross everywhere. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's you know it's better in the actual in the actual city. Uh, went and did you know some of the cool sites. Went and did um, the food looked fantastic. Oh yeah, the food's all great. Food food was food was great across the board. Food was great across the board. The Coliseum was cool. The Vatican, the actual the the, the whatever the, whatever it's actually called. Um, I don't oh, know. I'm he beats Catholic. me. I, I'm, I, I no forget. Idea. I forget. I always forget what it's actually called, but um, it's the most impressive building I've ever been inside. Really? It's, oh, it's it's insane. I mean, it as like an actual building, like to go inside. It is insane. It is exact. It actually I sent you like a joke in our little Facebook group and I was like, I feel like there should be an iron throne there. It's I mean, dude, it's it's insane. Like there's just there's really no way to describe it unless you actually go see it. I mean, it is exactly what you imagined because, you know, now a lot of like those really old castles and palaces and stuff like that, you know, are like ruins and stuff like that, like all of Rome, obviously, um, like all the old stuff is, is all like ruins and stuff like that. But I mean, it's all like just amazing marble and gold everywhere and like these huge like vaulted ceilings. Of course, I, you know, as somebody who's played a ton of Tomb Raider and Uncharted and watched, <laughs> watched the National Treasure movies, I swear, dude, I'm looking at every single little angle in there. And I'm like, I know that if if I move this block or if I like press, you know, right here, it's, a button's going to open and it's going to shine a light because I out comes Nero sex swing or something weird. Something, like. man, I'm telling you. Yeah. So. Yeah, so we did the Vatican. We did the Domo in uh, Florence, which is this really old church. I don't know if you've played Assassin's Creed 2. It's there. <laughs> Look how uh, all of the landmarks. You're like, I oh, know, yeah, that's like, from Assassin's Creed. It's from Assassin's Creed, man. I, was, I know when I got to the top, I was like, you know, all my you, – you climb to the top of this really old building. And I was like, you, all I know is that uh, in Assassin's, if Assassin's Creed 2 has taught me anything, is that as long as there's some hay at the bottom, I can jump off. <laughs> and be and, and be fine 
so yeah we did yeah we did that so yeah obviously that the food was great literally everywhere we went i ate pizza a gelato everywhere i actually lost like 10 pounds uh so probably a lot of walking right <laughs> yeah we walked about seven miles a day yeah that'll do it yeah every time i go yeah. to vegas i eat like just i mean i i gorge myself because that's why we go to vegas but i always end up coming back lighter because i walk like thirty thousand steps a day yeah yeah walking's good for you man we don't we don't get enough of it it is it is good and you know the general lack of uh, all the msg and everything that's in america's diet because they're so much stricter over there mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure i've i mean I, i've always wanted to go to italy to see rome but you know the main thing is the food so i hope one day that i can go and i will try to avoid british airlines uh you yeah just seriously avoid yeah and honestly if i would so we did three nights in venice three nights in florence four nights in rome i would I'd honestly flip it. I would, I would, I would flip it around. Rome. I mean, and I'm like a huge Roman empire, like, you know, buff. Like I loved uh, like all that stuff, but I don't know. It's just kind of a city really. Mm -hmm. I mean like the Vatican and then like the, the Coliseum's like super cool. It looked uh, amazing. I mean, oh, it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's 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 super cool. And Florence is just kind of like a city. But again, it's a little. But Venice is honestly the one. If you're going to go, that's the one I'd recommend. Just do not under any circumstance go during its winter because it floods. And it just being there, I was like, you know, I mean, we didn't have any flooding. But I've seen pictures and it would be like a terrible experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, being in Rome and just standing there and being like, this stuff has existed for so long. And like the yeah. pinnacle of the world at one point was here. You know, it's just like, yeah, maybe slightly humbling. It is. I mean? No. Yeah, it's super cool. The The only thing that that kind of sucks for for me a little bit is I'm much more into like Rome history, like ancient Rome history. And so much of it like even the buildings stuff like that have been you know rebuilt over time and stuff like that so it's much more like roman catholic history mm -hmm. um like there's all these things that are added to all these places and stuff like that you know that just because of whatever so um like i mean yeah if you're really into like roman catholic history uh then it's like then it's like, like even cooler i'm not super into that but uh, like the, the the ancient the ancient Rome stuff is is there's just not as much of it left. Yeah. I didn't see I didn't see I was hoping to see an aqueduct, but those are like further out. Because mm -hmm. so, do you think that there's still more to see? Like, if you went back, would there still be stuff to see in Italy? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I would go. To, I would go to different cities. I'd go to like the coast. We didn't go to Naples. Naples had like an earthquake beforehand, oh. and um, also I don't. Again, I think you know. In Italy, you ain't got to worry about that stuff. But I don't know. The, I will say the further we went south with all that stuff going on in Israel, like more you could hear more and more and more people talking about it because it is it's just across the Mediterranean Sea. It's like yeah, right there. It's, it's you know, it's obviously a pretty just a horrible situation in general. And I'm sure. It's, right. You know, it's it, it's it's a world event at, the, at this point. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. But oh, it's just it's just weird because like, you know, in the United States, we can like we look from afar at all that stuff going on, whereas like. They're like, oh, that's kind of like our neighbor, you know, our next door neighbor. They're like, got that stuff going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, definitely. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, I don't know. For as far as Europe, for me, it's like, I'm out on England now. Like, the <laughs> British Airways may have ruined England for me.
Matt, whatever happened to American <laughs> Airlines? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, uh, they suck. <laughs> I say to be fair, I, I think all national named airlines are Yeah, terrible. US is bad. US is bad. That's American I Airlines. I, is I, I fly I fly Alaska. Okay. You fly Alaska. You stick with the states. Uh, I got it. Alaska Airlines. I'm on man. Pennsylvania yeah, so. Air tomorrow. No, I'm just kidding. What do you t- you fly Southwest when you go to Denver? Yeah, I like Southwest. I, you know, it's funny. I always hear people like kind of put their nose up to it. Like, I hate the unassigned seats, and I'm like, I've literally never not got the seat I wanted. Like, never, yeah. not once. I've always, I've always, I, I've always had good, I've always had good luck, uh, with with Southwest. I, I, I will say, and not to turn this into like an airplane critique podcast, but uh, I feel like ever since COVID, traveling is just far worse on airplanes for some reason. Like, yeah, uh, it just the the experience has been much worse since since everyone stayed in their house for like two years. Uh, I don't know why that is. I don't know if more people are flying now or less people are working or whatever, but I don't remember the last time uh, I had something that wasn't delayed. Which can suck because, uh, you know, I yeah. fly a lot for work and I try to schedule it as tight as possible so I don't have to be there any longer than I need to be. So it's like I'm expecting to be here at this time. My meeting starts at this time. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, right. I'm cutting it close. But at the end of the day, you just have to schedule around the possible delays. Right. So, yeah, I will say real quick here. Um just some some other things I, I learned from my my time in Europe. So you know, like we're talking about delays in airport there, like you know, in the U.S. they're like take off your belt and take off your shoes. And the other and the other and all I went to technically I went to four different countries over there because I went to England and I mean the Vatican didn't have an airplane, but it does it is its own country. Um, but Italy and Spain and all this stuff like none of them cared about taking off your shoes. None of them cared about taking off your. Uh, belt but all of them were like take off your watch they were all like all of them were real hardcore about my watch so i don't i don't get it i don't know what the what the deal is or whatever but oh yeah and then yeah then that happened too where we we got stuck in this line and this lady was like we had you know one of those lady the people when you walk through like the metal detector this woman was patting down everyone I mean, she, it was like she had a fetish or something, bro. I mean, she's just like the so they, next person. She's just like patting them down. So I mean, at yeah. this point, I'd welcome it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, other yeah. So it was just it was the whole the whole trip though. You know, obviously getting to go over to Europe any uh, was was fun. I would. Matt, I would I'm like... so lonely that I bring prohibited items through the metal detector just so just, I can have a just, conversation with somebody. That's how lonely get... I am. Well. At farmers only, you don't have to be lonely. Okay. So, <laughs> and that is, is today's sponsor. Not, I know <laughs> it's not, unfortunately, not, not today's sponsor. But, uh, I did actually just, uh, I did send out some emails, um, today for some potential sponsors. And, uh, I really hope we get one of them, which is, uh, I mean, maybe this is, oh, this is a pitch. I don't really know. If, I think we're allowed to do this. I don't know, which is me undies, man. Have you ever seen them? They're pretty cool. I'm wearing their underwear right now. Are you really? I have a Game of Thrones onesie that they. I made. know. I saw that they did that, and I, I was like, we'd, "We'd be a perfect fit." So everybody messaged me undies and say, "Yeah, you guys better pick Ben the knee." Because yeah, uh, I got Stark pajamas. I got I got Game of Thrones me undies <laughs> underwear. I always wear them when I do this podcast for everyone listening. I know you care. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, you got to You got to represent. I got some Targaryen onesie. I mean, it's it's pretty excellent. Very comfortable yeah. stuff. Yeah, you and I should make take a European trip to Croatia, which is also just across the border there, because that'd be that'd be fun. I Home feel like Mirko Krokop, Pride FC legend. 
one of the greatest uh, kickboxers in MMA history. He, uh, the, the, it was a uh, right leg hospital, left leg cemetery. Cause if he hit you with the left leg, you were dead. Well, which are any of them from England or. Oh yeah. You got Michael Bisbing, got Patty Pimblett. You got a bunch of people. Well, tell them to get over to British Airways and start kicking some freaking ass. Cause I'm well, Bisbing left. He lives <laughs> in America. He said, no, eh. well, yeah. So I am going to call them. I am going to complain like a, a very annoying American, I'm sure I will be like, listen here, you fuckers. Oh, excuse me. Let me <laughs> that. listen here, wankers. Okay. And let me put it into let me put it into context you can understand. Okay. I think that's right. I'm sh is it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't I think no idea. It does it doesn't sound good. Yeah. What is what is the term where you're just uh nationalist? Is that what it is? If you're like our country's better than yours, you're something. I guess. Sorry, I'm on a, I'm just, you know, very thankful to be back in the United States of America. Okay. Yes. With our beautiful healthcare system and low tier education. Hey, you know what though? Actually, I looked it up. Italy. I looked, I, when I was over there in Italy, I was like, you know, everyone's, oh, everyone says when you leave the country, you get perspective. Yeah, you do. And how sweet the United States is. Okay. Well, that can certainly happen. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely Italy, Italy has there. a higher obesity rate amongst kids than that. And let me tell you, with gelato everywhere, I would imagine so. Everybody smokes over there. Yeah, but their cigarettes are different. Well, like, like very different. Very, very different. I'm just saying. And you know our time. I was shocked, actually. Our I was Italian like, listeners are gone. Like we just lost twelve percent of the audience. I just said I liked Italy. I said I didn't like the UK. <laughs> I said you liked Italy and then called their kids <laughs> overweight. That's well, so I mean, weird. I'm just saying we got problems here too. But you know, I mean, you can't be. <laughs> you can't be saying that these that you're. <laughs> these I thought your beef was with Britain, not Italy. I don't have beef. I don't have beef with with uh, Italy. I'm just, but I'm just saying. I mean, you know, you can't. I'm talking up the United States here, then you're saying, Well, you got this stuff, and I'm saying, Am I well, talking I to Matt or my dad? I can't figure out. I think I, yeah, uh... <laughs> anywho, you know what? Well, let's let's dive it. Let's let's with all with that out of the way. That's our that's our rant for today. Jimmy and I had to get a little rant in. I thought I was upset, yeah. Well, I, oh, dude, you should have seen me yesterday. It was bad. Tra traveling is stressful as it is, so yeah, I, I can definitely understand. Yeah. Anywho. All right. Well, with that out of the way, I don't think there's any Game of Thrones news or anything. Obviously, the writer strike is uh, over, but I don't know. Now it seems like they're they might be going back to strike. Uh, actually, is, Wait, really? Yeah, I don't know. There's it. It doesn't seem like it's fully over yet, actually. Uh, and there's more and more disgruntled workers. I see as all these streaming services are jacking up their prices. And not uh, paying the actors more. So hmm. I was I was seeing today there could actually be some more delays down the line. But anywho, we did with, get a big not a blog post though. Was there anything in it? Yeah. So back in March, uh, Night of Cooters got a uh, showing at the Midwest Weird Fest Festival in Wisconsin and won the award for best science fiction short. Well, good job, George. <laughs> Someone commented, since we're being a little more rated R, I will quote it verbatim. Someone commented back on Twitter, and I think these people suck. 
but right. it just said write the fucking book, George. Jesus. <laughs> like, God on. damn, he can't do anything without people just cursing him. No, that's that's good. He just he he just he just he looks great. He, he even he's thing. holding up and he has his little hat on and his little vest. He looks good. Yeah, but so no no, no Game of Thrones news. No, it was House of the Dragon. Yeah, that that's about it. Um, we talked about Craig and Stark getting casts. Uh, oh yeah, Last, we did. Yeah, two, we did talk about that. two weeks ago. Weeks um, ago. So no, uh, no, not not a lot of news other than the fact that you know we're kind of waiting for that summer twenty twenty four. Yeah, I did see some. I don't know if it was like, was it Collider or CBR or one of those or Screen Rant or one of those websites that honestly kind of sucks. Um, and they were and they were they were there was some there was some argument I saw a Twitter feed about it too where they said that Wheel of Time is the like new pinnacle of fantasy like no. TV shows. I was like, Not. what? I was like, it's just to get clicks, dude. That's all. I know. I was, I, I it was I saw it when I was you know. Brandon Sanderson watched it live um, with Daniel Green and uh, Dusty Wheel, who are two wheel time, you know, people. And uh, Sanderson did not like it. <laughs> he did yeah, not like I it. He said he liked season two more than season one, but uh, he pretty much panned it. I mean, it was I, I didn't I didn't like it either, but I was just like, how how can you not? I mean, and I know, obviously, we're Game of Thrones and, you know, Song of Ice and Fire homers here, obviously. but. Um, I mean, when you when you think about it, I guess there's probably what five big sort of fantasy shows on right in, in you know that are I guess they're not on but they exist right now. Which I would you would say House of the Dragon, Wheel of Time, Witcher. I mean, Shadow Rings and Bones in there, Rings of Power. I'm forgetting. There's there's another Stranger one, Things sure. doesn't count in my opinion. No, um, that's not that's not fantasy. And here here's the thing: like we can we can list these off, and I'm not even trying to be like inflammatory or biased. They're not even the same stratosphere as Game of Thrones no. TV show. And I don't mean no, because no, I... oh, it's so good. I literally mean like by numbers, like the whole thing. You know what I mean? It's just like no, it's compared you know, to House of the Dragon. No, not if Wheel close. of Time two is as good as that it's article not. says, then we'll see how it I watch does it. at it's the end. No, we won't. It's not going to get nominated. I, I'm, I'm aware. I, I, I know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, break more records and then we can talk, right? Yeah, I just don't no. understand the need. Like, it, it almost shouts insecurity when these TV shows like Witcher or whatever is like, you know, the next Game of Thrones or this is even better than Game of Thrones. It, it almost shouts insecurity at you. Like, it mm -hmm. needs to be the best version of Wheel of Time or Shadow and Bone right. or Witcher. It doesn't need to be Game of Thrones. And if right. you're making the comparison, I mean, honestly, think about this. Whenever Game of Thrones came out, uh, people talked about Lord of the Rings for like a second. And then it was no longer Game of Thrones versus Lord of the Rings. It was just Game of Thrones. And not because it's better than Lord of the Rings, but because they're two separate pillars of, of the, the genre in this medium. So... If a show is good enough, those uh, kind of shouts about it being as good or whatever will go away rather quickly, in my opinion. And it just hasn't for Wheel of Time and it hasn't for Witcher or Rings of Power or, or whatever else. Right. So I just uh, I don't know. I just think it's no, they, silly. I, don't, I don't think I don't think any of it's close. And, and also, you know. like, just because season eight and season seven also were, were kind of like balls, like it doesn't take away from the impact it had on the television industry no. and the numbers that it put up. Like, it's absolutely absurd how many awards it won uh oh, and man. and way the way it pushed tv forward and you're just not gonna see that again for a very long time no. like from any show especially as as you know that's the other thing too is as and we've talked about this um and we're, we're gonna dive into the chapter in a second but uh <laughs> 
as um you know i've talked about this too you know like like look, i think a great example is like the mandalorian sure like you know the mandal the, the star wars sequels kind of sucked now, there's just no other way around it i think mean, you know you could easily compare it to like season eight of game of thrones where you're like uh it was great and then it sort of fell off there at the end whereas then you get something else that comes out afterwards that's that also can sort of repair that image and it causes you to kind of look at the whole thing a little a little more fondly you know there's a lot there's been lots of shows that had great couple of seasons and then like it, it went on for too long or it like lost yeah yeah um like the office for for example mm -hmm. i mean like once steve leaves the office it kind of sucks there like, are very the few shows that the last good. few the last few seasons of the office i didn't think it's good I mean, yeah, it has some moments here and there, but it's just not, it's, yeah. it, I, to me, it's like two, watching two different shows. So, you know, I mean, but, you know, everybody looks back at the great moments of The Office and everything. And it's like, I look back at the great moments of Game of Thrones. Oh, definitely. And it's undeniable in its impact and its its place in history for television and the zeitgeist. I mean, it's just like, yeah, I think like trying to go against that or pitch something that you love like that, you're already setting off millions of people who are aware that this thing at one point was the best right and you're just going to get people that are going to walk into your article or whatever with their arms crossed and it does no service to the show it really doesn't now you're going to intrigue some people who say oh it's better than game of thrones but i even think half of those people when they watch are going to go no probably not no like it's probably not so i but we all know what this is for right. it's to generate clicks and in these things exactly. it's, it's not actually to you know aid the actor of the show or whatever it's for collider to get their ad revenue and you know more power to them yeah. i guess but well we need i guess i guess yeah jimmy and i'll overhaul the website and we'll start writing up articles and it's all going to be like game of thrones is awesome and everything else sucks i'll just have chat uh, gpt write all the articles for me easy you can't you know <laughs> write an article about how Aegon is real yeah, I will say, uh, because it was Columbus Day the other day, and you know, like one of my favorite memes is the Sopranos. Uh, you know, like the, Tony Tony Soprano talking about Christopher Columbus, and somebody did one, and it was Egg on the. He's like, in this house, Egg on the Conqueror is a hero. Okay, United <laughs> the Seventeen. It's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like so great. Also, the, me the memes from the show are unmatched, oh, right? Like, uh, yeah so good but yeah it's that it's that, it's that scene is with the sopranos where he's like yeah he's a hero you know that's the same that it's like talking about like egg on the conquer it's great <laughs> uh okay all right well all right now here we go we're gonna dive into the chapter here this might be a long one i might actually depending on how long this episode goes uh and jimmy's out next week i might split this into two parts uh because I feel one like, one part all british airlines. one part is me is me blasting british airlines uh and the other part is the actual episode so um <laughs> we'll see but here we go so jamie three brianne cleos and jamie are still traveling to king's landing they visit maidenpool but finding the town deserted continue on towards duskendale Jamie has no success in provoking Brienne into a fight. He misses his twin, which is Cersei, um, and thinks back to their childhood. Even as children, they were close and they slept together. Once their mother caught them, she was shocked and moved Jamie's bedchamber far away from Cersei's. Jamie muses he should marry his sister. He, he would like to marry his sister as the Targaryens did. Suddenly, they are attacked by archers. Jamie and Brienne charge at them, uh, and the archers run away in the forest. They go back to find out that Cleos is dead. His horse threw him off, but uh, and you know, as his feet are stuck in the stirrups, he was dragged with his head bouncing against the ground. 
Jamie takes Cleo's sword and attacks Brienne. Although he is still chained, he's confident that he can beat her. They fight for a long time. Jamie is amazed at her skill with the sword and realizes that she's actually stronger than him. And finally, Brienne beats him. When they look up, a they're surrounded by a number of men. Jamie recognizes them as the brave companions. They quickly inform him that they've gone over to the Starks. Jamie and Brienne are severely beaten and taken prisoner. Jamie warns Brienne that she will likely be raped and advises her not to resist because it will make it worse. He tries to save her by telling uh, her that the brave telling the brave companions that Tarth is called the Sapphire Isle and that Brienne is actually worth a high ransom. He tries to persuade the leader of the brave companions, Vargo Hote, in releasing them for a high ransom. Vargo replies that he will give Jamie's father a message. His men grab Jamie and hold him down, and uh, Zolo raises his sword and brings it down as Jamie screams. Yes, and Jamie even has the thoughts that they're only kidding. They're trying to bluff me. They're trying to get me to wet their pants, but little do they know I won't, and I won't scream. And then uh, they chop his hand off. Crazy. Yeah, and there is there's a ton to break down uh, in this in today's episode. And like I said earlier, I actually have something that I want to pull up as well, which is actually a brand chapter. Uh, brand, I say go off. I, I say do like what you found. I think go for it. Br yeah, brand two. So um, I guess uh, we'll get to that because that's kind of a, uh, a big, important piece really to this which is honestly like jamie losing his hand i think is is probably the thing people are going to remember most about this yeah. and then maybe so maybe we'll do this in reverse because i think that's kind of like the big moment um because some of this the world building stuff here is also kind of cool like where you hear a little bit about like the boltons and heron hall mm -hmm. and you can feel a little bit more of that red wedding coming right a little bit like you, the, the the signals if you're really helped oh, i swear to Gosh, sorry about that for those. Uh... So here's the thing, folks. Uh, me and Matt uh, do these do this, this podcast over video, and he has the new iOS. Uh, I got it. Mac OS. No, and when I he does certain <laughs> he does certain gestures with his hands because he talks with his hands. Emojis come up on the screen, and then it breaks his camera for like thirty seconds. And just it's watching the, the emojis thing. pop up, I know his camera's about to freeze, and it's the funniest thing. Like I, did <laughs> I'll, I'll, I yeah. So anyway, I'll, I might even leave that in there. That way, people can see it. So, uh, anywho, I'm just gonna sit with my hands like this, so I don't uh, tr <laughs> trigger anything. Gosh, um, when you and I were doing it the other day, we were like, we were like so confused as to what was like. It took happening. a while. It took a while. It took a while. To while. So, um, any, anyway, uh, like, like I was saying, some of the world building stuff, you know, there's, there's a lot of precursor here to the red wedding, mm -hmm. right. With like, Ooh, the Boltons and Heron hall and like what's going on there. Uh, and then some of the stuff too, I was kind of thinking about with Cersei, with Cersei and Jamie and like their mother is like the one who kind of finds them and like freaks out. And then she dies quite afterward. Like, you know, well, it, not it's her mother's maid that finds them. Joanna. Right. 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 right yeah. Lady Joanna, but not lady Joanna. I know it's 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 confusing, <laughs> um, but still, you know, their mother would have to know about it. And then like, does Ty, do they, does Tywin know from that at that point? Like, there's a lot of stuff here that's alluded to that we don't ever get to. But the thing I want to talk about is actually Jamie getting his hand cut off. And one of the things that this kind of reminded me of, um, and let me get it pulled up here, is actually when Jamie is fighting Brienne. 
this is the part I kind of want to like that I'm hyper focusing on today. When he is fighting her, he's going through these waves of emotions and he's sort of thinking about things and just some of the text here. So on one hand, there's actually a lot of like, I don't know, like sexual innuendos and stuff like that too, which is like a Jamie Brienne relationship too. Like George specifically uses the the things, um, the swords kissed and sprang apart and kissed again. Love it. Good dick. Love it. Love you know it. what I mean? Yeah. Like, so that, and then is kind of interesting, but the thing that kind of caught my attention was Jamie's blood was singing. This is what he was meant for. He never felt so alive as when he was fighting with death balanced on every stroke. And with the and with my wrist chained together, the wench may even give me a contest for a time. His chains, his chains forced him to use a two handed grip though. Of course the weight and the reach were less than if the blade had been a true two handed greatsword. but what did it matter? His cousin's sword was long enough to write an end to this Brienne of Tart. So it, that continues on. He's they're fighting and he's, 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 um, you know, going through it. And that's what he's thinking about. Jamie is like, this is what I love to do. I love to fight. Yeah. Like this is what I was meant to do and everything. Um, the dance went on. He pinned her against an oak, cursed as she slipped away, following through a shallow brook, half choked with fallen leaves. Still, uh, steel rang, steel sang, steel screamed and sparked and scraped, which is just epic writing. But Alliteration. It's so it's good. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And the woman started grunting like a sow at every crash, yet somehow he could not reach her. It was as if she had an iron cage around her that stopped every blow. Not bad at all, he said, when he paused for a second to catch his breath, circling her to fight for a wench, for a squire, a green one. He laughed, ragged, uh, breathless laugh. Come on, come on, my sweetling. The music's still playing. Might I have this dance, my lady? So, you know, it sort of continues on. Then he sort of realizes that, oh, she is stronger than me. Uh, then he goes through all these people like Robert, the White Bull, Gerald Hightower, Arthur Dane, Great John Umber. You know, he's he's going through all these things and he's realizing like she's pretty powerful. And then ultimately their fight kind of um, uh, gets caught like they they these people come up and see them fighting. Now, there is a line here, though. Um, she, uh, and Brianne, uh, actually, he he comments on her. He comments on her face specifically. She looks as if they caught us fucking instead of fighting. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, hold on a second here. There's a lot of things to compare this to. So I went back and I pulled up Bran uh, 2, which is the chapter in which Bran is running on the walls of Winterfell. And what happens? He comes across Jamie and Cersei who are banging. Uh, you know, I mean, and <laughs> that's, uh, you know, it happens. So I want to read some of the things. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill it's here too so 
Um, this is from Bran. He says, I'm not made of clay. And anyway, and anyhow, I never fall. You know, there was a while for the guards, guards would chase him whenever they saw on the roofs and try to haul him down. That was the best of it all. It was like playing a game with his brothers, except Bran always won. None of the guards could climb half as well as Bran, not even Jory. Most of the time they never saw him anyway. People never look up. That was another thing he liked about climbing. It was almost like being invisible. He liked how it felt too, pulling himself up a wall stone by stone, fingers and toes, uh, digging hard into the small crevices between. He always took off his boots and went barefoot when he climbed. It made him feel as if he had four hands instead of two. He liked the deep sweat ache and it, it left in the muscles afterward. He liked the way the air tasted up high, sweet and cold as a winter peach. He liked the birds, the crows and the broken tower, the tiny sparrows that nestled in cracks between the stones, the ancient owl that slept in the dusty loft above the old armory, Brand knew them all. And it talks about, you know, he liked, I mean, I don't want to go down a brand rabbit hole, but that's a chapter to revisit at some time. Um, you know, and then uh, it just, it goes on for that. A lot of that stuff brand too. He's talking about how much he loves climbing, how much he, you know, it's like, it's his thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that brand comes across Jamie and Cersei who are doing their own thing and they're caught actually you know, banging. Uh, and then Jamie pushes him off. And so Bran ends up falling. So on one hand, here you have Jamie fighting. He's like, this is what I love to do. And that's what he thinks he's always going to be. He thinks he's always going to be a fighter. And then out of nowhere, he gets his hand cut off. Right. And actually, uh, if you look at the, uh, you know, the language here, sunlight rang, ran silver along the edge of the Arak as it came shivering down almost too fast to see. And Jamie screamed. So in a way, like it's the same thing that happens to Bran. It, I mean, it happens out of nowhere, right? I mean, Bran is doing like you, there's if you're reading that for the first time or watching that, that's what I think made Game of Thrones like the show. So so I mean, it's got that amazing hook at the end of the first episode, which is that end of that brand chapter. It's like, oh, my God, that kid just got shoved out of a window. Like yeah. you're not expecting that at all. Say, you know, the same thing with the chapter and another thing here too with Jamie. And it's just so interesting how well those chapters sort of parallel each other. I mean, I think George was, I, I mean, George could have just been writing this and he just, and it happens to be similar, but obviously you look at that connection of like Bran and Jamie where, you know, I mean, Bran's story starts really because of Jamie. I think he wrote it with intent and purpose. Oh, it definitely could be. And 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 let's be clear, Jamie becomes a sympathetic character. A lot of it's based on this, right? We've been given the backstory with Ares now from his from his perspective, right? But he's still treating Brienne so poorly. And then he gets his hand chopped off. And that puts him at a disadvantage. That takes away the thing he was really great at that we know he loved and always wanted to do, which Bran loved to climb. Bran always wanted to be a climber. He wanted to be a knight. And then he had it all taken away from him. And Jamie, you know, wants to continue to be a knight, right? He wants to continue fighting. He just wants to be with Cersei. And now his hand is cut off and this will change his entire trajectory. And it's super important to the character arc to make him seem a little bit more sympathetic for us as the reader who should disdain him for shoving a child out of a window without this moment. I don't know if his redemption would be uh, as successful as it is in the later books. Agreed. Yeah, a hundred percent agreed. And it's it's not only the fact that he loses his hand, but it happens out of nowhere. And I actually like the I 
much prefer the way it happens in the book compared to the show. Agreed. Um, and I'm I'm trying to pull it up here uh, real quick because it's a it's a the guy who does it in the show is like a show only character, and then it that guy ends up going to the Night's Watch, remember? And then he's trying to like kill Jon Snow because he's like working for the Boltons, and I think his name might actually be like Rourke or something. I the, can't remember the show. I uh, think. I, I'm pretty sure that's his name. Um, it's a show only character that does it. Um, they, they couldn't get a Dothraki, I guess. No, but that, you know, that is something that's interesting that I totally forgot oh, about yeah, until, we hit, until we hit this episode. And you're like, oh, yeah, there's there's a Dothraki. The Bloody there. Mummers are a very interesting group of people. A um, bunch of people you would not expect to be working together, working together. Right. Let me just pull this up. And, you know, what you know, you're saying how it's so out of nowhere. I think that is what one of the things that makes the Song of Ice and Fire so special is that, like, when George puts his characters in really bad situations, uh, he doesn't bail them out. Usually, most of the time, punishment ensues, which is nice and a refreshing, especially within the fantasy genre to this point, because a lot of times uh, the person would be saved. And it almost felt like as the reader, you're in, you know, we don't have to worry about the character. The character will be fine. There's no need to worry. Uh, whereas George makes you feel like anyone at any given time can be uh, can be killed off or injured or changed forever. Yeah. So in the sh in the show, it is a character named Locke. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, and he's dispatched by Bolton, Bruce Bolton. So just you know, and we'll dive back into the show. The that happens in the show, but I just wanted to pull it up because it is it is different here. Um, like Bruce Bolton sends him to find Jamie Lannister and then he ends up cutting it off. And like, you know, if you remember, uh, they were like very not uh, happy about that. <laughs> like, yes. uh, like, uh, what did you do? Like, very why displeased he, because he does. He just does it. He just because he what you know, he wants to and he thinks he did something well. And then, uh, yeah, Ramsey Snow is like, you know uh bro like what are you what are you doing you know like we need <laughs> like we need it and then he ends up going to the wall and he's killed i think he's i remember because he's looking for he's he's looking for john snow uh yes. when he go when he goes when he goes up there and he ends up getting killed i think he gets i'm trying to remember exactly how he gets killed uh hodor kills him that's right because he's there when when bran is there I, so I bran bran actually kills him as hodor yeah i know it's a it's a show only thing so it's not important but just for reference that's yeah yeah what happens yeah so totally different uh in in the books here um yeah so i mean jimmy like what do you i mean what are your what were your just like i guess main takeaways from this and we'll start diving into specifics of this chapter um so it does it goes a long way to continue to build the tension between brienne but it also then crosses a line into respect which is kind of like tinkered with a little bit prior to this chapter but this is the chapter where jamie while he's fighting brienne and thinking all these callous things of her uh almost accidentally stumbles into giving her credit and then has to like recant it and then he starts making uh excuses for himself well if i wasn't chained if they hadn't kept me in that dungeon it seems i'm rusty like he's doing everything other than giving her credit and then he does the last thing which can kind of be a backhanded compliment which is her strength was just amazing and what he's never said is that she's very skilled and that and we know that she is right because she is she is crowned at renly's little tournament and in martial arts so i do jujitsu uh it is always considered kind of a crappy thing to say to people but like you know i'm a bigger guy i work out a lot and i might you know we might have a role when i get the better of the person and they'll go man you're so strong and it's like well yeah. yeah but i'm also very technical and right I, I, you know what i'm saying it's like right it's always like that kind of backhanded compliment and you can tell that 
that Jamie is that guy because he talks about how Robert and other people were definitely stronger than him, but his speed and skill always made up the gap and then he would beat them. And he's basically saying, well, I am more skilled and strong or more skilled and not as strong as Brienne, but I still can't seem to beat her. And I think in his head, he's thinking if I were unchained, this would be easy. But we also get a line of dialogue where Brienne says, I do not want to harm you. So Brienne is not fighting. He's holding hardest. back too. Yes. And that's what makes this fight interesting is that both are showing restraint for different reasons, of course. Um, and then he hits her with the line, you know, do you want to break your oath like me? And then she just falls into the water. And it's like, oh, yeah. Beautiful. I mean, do you, I mean, I, I, I will say that I don't believe that Brienne of Tarth at this moment could take Jamie Lannister at full strength. I think it'd be a good fight. I I, I think I'm it'd be it'd be it'd be closer than people. I I think. think I think it would be closer than people think, and certainly closer than what Jamie thinks. But I mean, I I have a hard time saying Jamie would lose to almost anyone other than Arthur Dane or Barristan. Yeah, or Sir Kristen Cole, maybe. I don't know about that, but I, mean, <laughs> I think I think Jamie I think Jamie would wreck Kristen Cole. I don't know you think? Yeah, I don't think it'd be close. I don't think Chris and Cole's that good. <laughs> I think he's overrated. I think he's the he's the Justin Herbert of uh, the <laughs> he's of of the. Uh, he's had to come for Justin. Well, I, I just do traded, something. Prove it. Prove I just something. Traded, I just traded for him in my Madden franchise. I, well, Madden. I mean, he's great on Madden. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So. Uh, I don't know. I I feel like Jamie would probably wreck her. I think it'd be I think it'd be pretty close. I think because her Loris size is very good as well, and she beat Loris pretty convincingly. Yeah, and she is huge. I mean, she she's Sir Dunk's ancestor. Come on now, it's in her blood. That's true. That's true. But he might have also been like I guess part of that fight too. You have to think does Loris? I mean. I think a lot of people underestimate her because they think, oh, definitely. There's no, there's no way I'm going to lose to a woman. If you went into that fight being like, she's deadly and I have to give her like my 100%. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying Brand sucks. I mean, obviously she's really good. But I mean, when you're talking about like the, the pinnacle of the. I mean, they're the probably pinnacle. at this point the two best. Yeah. Alive in Westeros. Yeah. Now, like, show Brand of Tarth is like, show Brand of Tarth might be like top five of any character in the show because she doesn't she's like a beast in she the show up on the hound she beat the hound that doesn't even happen uh in the in, in the, the books, books yeah yeah it doesn't even happen in the books uh and then she also fights aria after aria is trained with like <laughs> she beat up a child is that what you're saying no she no she fights aria when aria comes back from yes. her faceless men training yeah like and she goes toe to toe with aria so like i mean she's She's a pretty beast. Will she get? I, I do think ultimately her arc, she's going to have something pretty epic. I actually kind of think her, her her story arc will probably be pretty similar, and mm -hmm. that I kind of see her being the Lord Commander at the end. I, I think agree. That, I think that would work. I think I just don't. She's it's like there's some characters when you think about like what could happen to them and wins a winner, and like Davos is one of these characters. I don't really know what purpose their death would have other than for george to just simply be like i just need to get rid of people yeah i don't like think to make it easier okay. yeah he's not gonna uh, pull rowling yeah and mm -hmm. 
and that's where I where I think about Brienne's. It's like I don't. The only person I see giving Brienne like a a death that actually matters would be like one Brienne dies doing something like saving one of the Stark children. You know what I mean? Like she would like sacrificing herself, and it's like okay, she kept her oath. Would yeah. be the thing. The only other scenario would be like Jamie kills her like in front of Cersei, you know what I mean? To have that like ultimate Jamie just goes back to Cersei. But like, I mean, I mean, like, I don't think that's gonna happen, but I guess like something in, in that vein. Other than that, I kind of think I kind of I think she's probably safe. Yeah, I think she makes it to the end. I actually do think she becomes Lord Commander. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I just yeah, it's like da Davos is a character I I use and like Sam. Like how Sam better Sam? make it. I'll be up. How you, like, how are you going to kill Sam? You know what I mean? Like some characters, like Daenerys's death. Okay. There's a lot of power and meaning behind that. Some of these other characters, it's like, I just don't know. Like what, what does killing them really do? Like there well, that some and... characters are just significant enough that killing them doesn't do anything as opposed to like characters that are so insignificant. It's like, doesn't matter. Also, if you think about the future context of the series and like what happens after the series isn't written anymore, meaning that like, you know, when you think about well, what would have happened after that, the people who would carry on a lot of the most important scenes in the show or show geez in the books would be someone like Samwell or Davos who were around the legends of this time who will then carry the story forward. So even if, for instance, Stannis Baratheon is not around anymore, we will know all of these things because of Davos. So he actually serves a purpose for the fictional future uh, of the canon as well. So I, I yeah, I kind of agree with you. I, I don't see. Davos, Samwell, Brienne eating the dust. I really don't. Yeah. Um, okay. So some questions for you here, Jimmy. Uh, okay. So right, right off the bat, right off the bat here, right where they sort of continue that thing on, uh, continuing on, right where Brienne says, I, "This is like right at the opening of the chapter. If you won't be quiet, you leave me no choice but to gag you, Kingslayer. Unchain my hands, and I'll play mute all the way to King's Landing." This is after he started to sing. What could be fairer than that, wench? Brienne. My name is Brienne. Of course, there we continue on again with that theme we've picked up in the other chapters, which is she keeps calling him Kingslayer, and he, in return, calls her wench. Mm -hmm. Right, and then she gets upset about it. You know, even though we, you know where we're reading this now, we know that the truth is that Jamie killed the, killed the mad King for a good, you know, a good reason. Then he says, you know, care for a bath, Brienne. He laughed. You're mate. You're a maiden. And there's a pool. I'll wash your back. <laughs> he used to scrub Cersei's back when they were children together at Casterly rock. Like he immediately there starts thinking of Cersei. Like every time he thinks of Brienne, he immediately thinks of Cersei. So yeah. it raises the question. Is it just that it's, that Jamie just always thinks of Cersei anytime he's with any woman, or is this like a specific to Brienne thing? Or has um, Jamie really not been around that many women? Uh, that's that's it. <laughs> Jamie hasn't had you that many that... experience with women outside of Cersei because he doesn't have any interest. You think, yeah. So you and think he's a Kingsguard, like... so he's not supposed to be around women, and he doesn't go to the brothels. He doesn't do the things his brother does. So I think it's been limited uh, interaction based on like why would I interact with other women whenever I'm happy with what I have. And there's no expectation yeah. socially for me to do so because I'm sworn to celibacy. So, so, okay. So you think like Brienne might just be the only other woman he's ever been with in a situation like this? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I could, I could see that. And I could, and I, and I could agree with that. Uh, yeah. So then they go into a little bit more about, um, 
they get a little bit more about like their relationship as, as children. He could never bear to be long apart from his twin. Even as children, they would creep into each other's beds and sleep with their arms intertwined. Even in the womb, long before his sister's flowering or the advent of his own manhood, they had seen mares and stallions in the fields and dogs and bitches in the kennels and played at doing the same. Once their mother's maid had caught them, had caught them at it he did not recall what happened uh in doing so but they, whatever it was it had horrified lady joanna she'd sent the maid away moved jamie's bedchamber to the other side of cashley rock set a guard outside cersei's and told them that they must never do that again or she would have no choice but to tell their lord father do you think she ever told their lord father so there's two sides to this i think it is interesting it's whether or not she could not tell him in fear of keeping that information away from him. Like what would happen to her if it ever came out and he'd be like, how did you not know this? Or is she terrified to tell him? Um, because if, if he finds this out and this information is out there about his kids, maybe she disappears. I don't know. You don't think Tywin would just have her like whipped and flogged and drugged behind the mountains horse. His, I think his, his, his wife. No. Well, no, this is it's his it's his maid. Are you sure? I think it's the mother, though, because he talks about it's the mother's maid. But then it says, but whatever it was had horrified Lady Joanna, which is his wife. She'd sent them. She sends the maid away and then she never tells. Oh, I'm sorry. I miss. Right, right, right. And, no, no, no. You're right. It, it, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, because the way it is, it's kind of fast. So I easily see that uh but yeah so so she, like, joanna lannister never tells tywin at least that's what it says here or at least that's what jamie would perceive because this is his pov so she she still could have told him but as far as jamie believes yes i was mixing it up um i know the way it's written it's i could yeah <clears throat> that's right yes because i think isn't uh isn't lady joanna also like a ship yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the ships Cersei yeah. demands to be built. Yeah. yeah. For her mother. Yeah. So right. my bad. My bad. That's yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. See, I would imagine that she, uh, yeah, she would have no, if they ever did it again, they'd have uh, no choice but to tell their Lord Father. They uh, need not have feared, though. It was not long after that she died birthing Tyrion. Jamie barely remembered what his mother had looked like. Very sad. So also she goes to the grave with that knowledge. Yeah. And now the whole seven kingdoms know because of Stannis. Right. Well, Stannis right, tweeted exactly. about it. Yeah, basically. So, yeah, I mean, kind of interesting there is she. She never tells Tywin about that. She just I mean, why, what don't you think Tywin would ask questions about why the kids rooms are now on the op polar opposite side of the. So you're, you're kind of you're kind of uh, leading into the fact that you think there's a chance that Tywin's known since they were kids. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I don't think it's unrealistic. In this in this society, I, which is which is right, which is more where I think he denies the denies it than he just actually is ignorant to it. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah, I honestly I think that that is fairly likely. Yeah. Right. So which even more so should kind of. Which I think also plays into the Tyrion thing, which is why Tywin. It's like Tyrion is actually Tywin's best kid in a way. I guess. The most capable possibly. Yeah. 
I mean, honest, I don't know. Out of the three, Jamie might actually be the best of, of the three of them. But he doesn't care. He's so apathetic. He doesn't get, <clears throat> yeah, he does. He doesn't care. They do really about their family, though. I will say that they do all do. They all do have Lannister pride, but they're right. all blinded by how they're ruining. It. <laughs> right. Because Jamie, I mean, in all honesty, Jamie is probably it's like Tyrion is sort of the good guy. And we view Tyrion as as like a as a, as a good character. But Tyrion does way worse things than Jamie does. Um, yeah, I think it, well, <laughs> he did put a, a bastard on the throne, essentially, right? Like a, in a in improper Baratheon. Um, he did shove a kid out of a window. But Tyrion, I don't know, that's a tough one. Jamie, what did Jamie? J Actually, there's something we don't know. I, I don't, does Jamie know that Cersei's going to kill Robert? That's a very good question. We talked about that last time. We talked about that last time about like potentially oh, did, Tywin, Tywin, yeah. did Tywin know? I don't know that Jamie knows. <clears throat> I think Jamie knew. I think Jamie knew. And I, the reason why is because he even talks about Robert being out of the way in this chapter. And I just, th there's no way Cersei didn't tell Jamie. It would have been yeah. smart for her not to tell Jamie. And that's why she probably did it because she's stupid. And maybe it was part of his plan. And maybe it was just part of like, I it, it might have been something to where it's one of those things where Cersei's like I'll handle it and Jamie knows that Cersei's yes. going to handle it but he doesn't know exactly how or when or what the details will be. Jamie is completely in a, in this delusion that he thinks him and Cersei are going to be able to be together. He talks about in this chapter and says like now that Robert's gone, of course this would cause a problem for Joffrey, mm -hmm. but we 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 use swords to win the throne, not names and we'll do it again. And then he said then Lannisters will be put on the same pedestal as the Targaryens and the gods, which does two things. One, it shows the ambition and that Jamie is still, you know, for all he is, he's still a jerk. Uh, you know, he wants to be above everyone else above the law, I think is the exact right. phrase he uses. And in that also, it shows how highly regarded the Targaryens are, even to someone like Jamie who were above the law and above the maesters and above everything. Right. So, he wants the Lannisters to take that mantle as well, but he doesn't want it because he wants the most money or any of that. He just wants it so he can marry his sister publicly. <laughs> I don't think Cersei right. has any delusions that they'll ever be able to publicly do this. I think she's okay with keeping it secret. Whereas Jamie, I think wants it to be public. Right. And I will give him a little bit of, I mean, credit here. I mean, obviously, you know, incest in our world is, uh, you know, gross and wrong, but, I mean, to their point, I mean, the target it's a, when the Targaryens do it, people are like, OK, well, whatever. Well, they have dragons. But, that's why. I mean, right. They have dragons <laughs> to, to back it up. But I mean, they, these people, they have the power here. They should be, you know, I mean, have at it. Why not? Yeah. I mean, if that's what if that's what if that's what they want to do. I mean, if I they want to create problematic offspring and yeah, <clears throat> make more Joffreys. That sounds like a that sounds like what the world needs, right? <laughs> Well, I mean, they had two out of three were okay. So, you know, two out of three ain't bad. I mean, Tom and, you know, I get, yeah, I guess, yeah. He's just young. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's hard. It's like show Tom and kind of influences this, but book Tom is much younger. Sorry. Are you in support of this incest then? For the record. Yes. For the record, I'm, I'm in support of it because if the, the Targaryens, the Targaryens <laughs> can do it. And, you know, when, when Jon Snow was and Daenerys in the on the boat in the show, everyone's cheering it on. 
Jamie and Cersei should be allowed to should be allowed to do it. I remember I was in physical therapy whenever that was all going down. And I remember my physical therapist was like, if John and Danny get together, that's like aunt and nephew. Right. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, I hate it. I was like, you're the only person I've heard to have a problem with it. Not that 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 you're wrong. I just thought it was interesting that for her, she was like, ew. And I'm like, well, what about like Cersei and Jamie? She's like, well, that's different. Well, that's that's less creepy than. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's even less creepy than uh, House of the Dragon with Rhaenyra and Damon. Yeah, it's especially because we see Rhaenyra as like, you know, obviously, you know, Millie Alcock playing her is like probably like 19 or something. But um. Yeah, it's I mean, it's, it feels like she's like twelve. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it, it, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel right. Uh, that, that's how right. I would describe it. Yeah, unsettling. Right, and they're same thing. It's uncle and niece. When in West Virginia, you know that's that's even more. Uh, uncle and niece is way more creepy than brother and sister it's all creepy i'm not I mean, i'm not it, i'm not even gonna make a tier list yeah i'm not doing a tier list here. what's what's the incest uh you know tier tier ranking here i mean to I'm give not... <laughs> i'm gonna dive i'm gonna dive in here um <laughs> it's like i can't believe we're doing this uncle and niece is way more creepy than brother and sister because at least jamie and cersei are like hey like we have like we're twins which i mean it's still weird but you know they're like <laughs> at least they're like they're like we've had this connection since like we were born you know what i mean it's like, <laughs> you uh, seem real pro pro bro bro i'm just i mean i'm just somebody's gotta stand i mean somebody's gotta stand up for the lannisters here why is it why is it okay for the targaryens and not okay for the because the, for the targaryens had nuclear weapons that's why <laughs> oh okay oh my god I love it. They, you know, when the Targaryens get married, oh, it's a joyous occasion. Here's hey, we all guy. have to have hills to die on, and yours just happens to be built upon the love of a brother and a sister. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, someone's got to play Dev- Lannister's advocate here. Okay? <laughs> oh, I and I will, I will do it. I will be the Lannister's advocate. I here. love it. So, anywho, as we can, conti- as we uh, can continue on here. So, like we said um then basically uh they start fighting right Brian and jamie start fighting and we kind of went through uh quite a little bit of that yeah it's it's a pretty straightforward chapter right like we yeah it's there. actually it's actually mostly action in, it is and it's really good action the by the way i really love the way george moves through the scenery and you can actually feel that we're getting away from where we were on the road and it ends up obviously running into the bloody mummers but i think he does a really nice job of the passage of time and how when you're in battle or a very stressful situation, like you can't really get a grasp on like how fast time is moving. And he does that through Jamie's eyes and it really works. And he talks about like going down into the brook, getting pressed up against a tree. And you just have this idea of how the scene is set. And um, that's one thing I really love about George is his descriptions aren't too, too long, but they're extraordinarily vivid. And whenever you can make your descriptions vivid, it brings everything else to life. Yeah. And you know, Another thing here, it's almost like it's like I'm reading this, and you know when you're like when you're re- when you read a book, obviously, um, especially the book like if you've never, you know, there's not like a, a visual medium that goes along with it. Like Harry Potter was sort of like ruined most for books. me. Yeah, 
Yeah, like most books. <laughs> uh, I don't really, mo most of the books I read have a visual, have a movie, uh, to, you know, to, to go along with it. Um, but, you know, so like this, some of these lines here too, right? So until Breathless, he stepped back and let the point of the sword fall to the ground, let uh, the point of the sword fall to the ground, giving her a moment of respite. Not half bad, he acknowledged for a wench. She took a slow, deep breath, her eyes watching him warily. I would not hurt you, Kingslayer. And it's almost like one of those things where it's like you, like, in my head like i'm envisioning them staring at each other and almost like smiling a little bit like as they're mm -hmm. doing it like they specifically say kingslayer specifically say wench and i think this fight even though we don't be like it's not entirely told to us by george i think this kind of fight for jamie is you know kind of the thing that's getting them saying you know what me and this brand girl this might work out because it, it's 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 almost like in a way it's almost a dance for that. Yes, and he happens to love fighting, and then he's across from someone who happens to be, yeah. um, you know, pretty well, damn good at it. Right. Well, George does actually say here too. I thought that's why I uh, said the dance went on. You know, which yes. George describes dancing as fighting, and you know, obviously a lot of that. But I think George specifically also uses the word "the dance went on" too as sort of a it's it's more than just a fight. Yes, and uh, the way he puts a lot of this stuff is just so so good in this chapter. Like I was talking about the passage of time and here's how he describes it. Uh, he says, Jamie could not have said how long he pressed the attack. It might have been minutes or it might have been hours. Time slept when swords woke. That's a great yeah. line, dude. That's and I think good. that there's also a line that might foreshadow the ending of Jamie and Brian's relationship, which I think is really interesting. What's, where's the, what line's that? Uh, it's, it's a little uh, before this and he's talking about picking up Cleos's sword. And he says his cousin's sword was long enough to write an end to this Brienne of Tarth, which is interesting because Brienne of Tarth writes Jamie's end in the book at the end of the show. And right. he's saying he's going to write her end. And I was just like, first off, I thought that that was just a really poetic sentence. I really enjoyed it. But then I started thinking more about it. And I'm like, hmm, Brienne of Tarth will most likely write your end in the white book. Yeah. And right before that, too, um, is something else that happens which is the whole deal about oaths yep. uh which is like i will not arm you and my name is brianne i know i swear an oath not to harm you if that will ease your girlish fears your oaths are worthless you swore an oath to aries you haven't cooked uh anyone in their armor so far as i know you know it continues on but like, oath the word oath in this chapter does come up quite a bit as well because even later brianne uh, is talking about how she swore an oath to lady catlin you know, like the, the word oath comes up a lot here. And then we know well, it's instrumental in their relationship as well, because of I mean, we've talked about them both being Kingslayers in the public eyes, but also, you know, he ends up giving her the sword Oathkeeper. Yeah, exactly. Think, and it, yeah, he ends it, up having a lot of respect for that, I think. Yeah. So, OK, so uh, so we talked uh, quite a bit about their fight and stuff like that. Um, and then things drastically change here, uh, which is once they are discovered, right? So Jamie crawls over the rocks to shallow waters, wiping the blood from his eye with his chained hands. Armed men lined both sides of the brook. Small wonder we were making enough noise to wake a dragon. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. interesting line. Don't know if that'll ever come back to anything. I, you know, obviously there's things about waking dragons. I don't know that it's anything like this. If but... anything, it's just a really nice, like stylistic choice because it makes sense in the world context. So it's just like right. really good. 
Yeah. So, well met, friends, he called to them. Uh, my pardon if I disturb you. You caught me chast uh, chastising my wife. See, to me, she was doing the chastising. The man who spoke was thick and powerful, and the nasal bar of his iron half helm did not wholly conceal his lack of a nose. There were uh, these were not the outlaws who would kill Sir Cleos, Jamie realized. The scum of the earth surrounded them. Swarmy Dornishmen and blonde Lyseni, Dothraki with bells in their braids, hairy Ebenese, coal black summer islanders uh, in feather cloaked. He knew them, the brave companions. So this is obviously one of those like very sort of important groups that we will end up running into and is going to cause havoc uh, really until we don't know. They continuing to cause uh, havoc, like all the way into a dance of dragons. And they're kind of like the opposite of the Brotherhood Without Branners. <laughs> yes, very much in, in in opposition to them as well. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. There were some bells in that hair, you know. The Dothraki. There's Dothraki bells. I always forget about that too, because you you always think about like the Dothraki would never even think about crossing the sea, but here's one that has is in Westeros. And how does Jamie know that it's a Dothraki? That's a good question. Um, I mean, certainly they've had to. Well, I don't know. That actually is a good question. I mean, um, it, like in one. First of all, it's George just writing it. So, but. It is a POV chapter, so Jamie should know that it's a Dothraki. <laughs> like, and it, 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 you know, it could just be like hyper analyzing here, but in theory, like Jamie should like be able to not just be like somebody that looks like a Dothraki. I mean, he like I specifically identifies him as a Dothraki. Yeah, and we're talking about a place where like people who live right outside of King's Landing don't know what the king looks like, so. It is. It, I mean, I don't know. People draw them. <laughs> I don't know. There's no pictures, obviously. Right. But I guess you've just heard. You've heard enough about them, and I'm sure you know. There's things that we would do in the same. There's got to be a couple Dothraki just like making their way across Westeros, most likely, right? Yeah. So anyway, so here we go. Um, you know, the uh, Brienne's talks about how she's like, I have a hundred stags, and uh, a cadaverous man in a tattered leather cloak says, "We'll take that for a start, my lady." Uh, and then we'll basically have you. Um, and then, yeah, they're basically going to take them capture and they're pretty much plan on having their way with Brienne and Jamie continues to kind of tell her that's what's going to happen. So not a good situation that they're in. Yeah. Not great. Right. And the whole Sapphire thing, by the way, I think is just crazy um that jamie would be able to think of that on the fly and really actually does show how sharp he is like he's definitely capable he's just too cool for school you know yeah um so as we can kind of uh continue continue on here you know hey a lannister always pays his debts right so he's talking about their potential reward as a uh, reward as for the wench she's high born and worth a good ransom uh the other uh cocked his head is it uh is it so how fortunate there was something sly about the way that Urswick was smiling that Jamie did not like. You heard me. Where's the goat? A few hours distant, he'll be, uh, be pleased to see you, I have no doubt. But I would not call him a goat to his face. Lord Vargo grows prickly about his dignity. So, yeah. So, Vargo Hoped, uh, character we're going to be kind of seeing, hearing about for the first time here. And he has a lot of importance going forward, uh, especially with Harrenhal. It's a promise to him. Yeah, he's a lord of Harrenhal, and that always goes well for people. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, yeah, it does go 
south real quick and the bloody mummers kind of are an example of just how much in turmoil this country is they flip sides now and allegiances are getting a little bit like blurry even in these situations which is a little bit of a uh, step towards what we will see where the phrase obviously jump sides as well and the boltons yeah so heron hall uh jamie says here too has my father taken leave of his senses jamie raises his hands i'll have these chains off so jamie's also realizing wait my dad is no longer at heron hall like what's going so like he you know remember it's like well we know tywin's been out of heron hall for a long time yeah but jamie doesn't know that well tywin's never at heron hall right uh and i think the, i think he does ride into heron hall he does yeah he rides he in the he book he rides there. into it it is obviously different than the show where it's but roos takes the castle there Roos's yeah roos yeah, yeah, takes yeah. it yeah yeah um which should be a big signal as to uh what's going on there but the way it's kind of so i because we talked about that last time so i kind of went back and i was like i need to do a refresh on this and the way it kind of per is perceived is really more so like tywin leaves and then roos just takes it over not like Tywin hands it to Roos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely not obvious to this point that the Boltons are working for the Lannisters. It becomes abundantly clear when we get back to Harrenhal with Jamie and Brienne. Um, there's definitely something to be said, though, that the Bloody Mummers are on the Stark side and the Boltons have hired them. And like you kind of think like, well, Rob Stark wouldn't hire them, right? The Car Starks probably wouldn't hire them. So like the Boltons must have a different moral code. Like you can kind of start the you know, that you are yeah. the company, you keep stuff like you can kind of look at it and be like, why would the Boltons want to use the Mummers? They're so bad. And then you hear all these rumors about the Boltons being flares and yada, yada, yada. And it makes sense uh, what eventually happens. The Boltons are uh, horrible. Yeah. And that is man, the, the seeds of the Red Wedding. You know, as we've been going over these past few chapters, it's like it's just, you know, being able to look at it now with uh, Roos colored glasses <laughs> beautiful. beautiful uh you know <laughs> it's love it. uh love it. it it's so much more apparent but another thing to hear too which is kind of uh interesting here so you and your father lost too many battles offered the dornishman we had to trade our lion pelts for wolf skins Urswick spread his hands what timian means to say is that the brave companions are now lo no longer in the hire of house lannister we now serve lord bolton and the king in the north <clears throat> not we serve the king of the north that's right yeah for sure so it's like oh but it's just so quick and it's a one-line thing but that's the way this whole thing's been for the past couple of chapters is these tiny little lines here and there i mean obviously the, the biggest the biggest one was the Tyrion chapter where uh tywin's like oh don't worry i got a plan for that yeah i mean king of the north could be considered uh to be Bruce Bolton's son at this point, Ramsey, right? He's up there. He's the one in Winterfell. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's all just you can just hear it. So uh Brienne continues on here. Lady Catelyn sent us in exchange for captives. He's under my protection. You know, Rorg hits him again, driving the air from his lungs. Brienne, Brienne dives for her sword. You know, she gets uh caught, the whole deal, and it basically just kind of continues on here. Uh, and we find out that, you know, that uh, Jamie tells her, you're probably going to get raped tonight. I don't really know what to tell you. <laughs> like, well, they, there's yeah. a there's a good there's a good conversation with him wherever he's like, don't fight. It'll be worse. And she's like, what right. would you do? And he's like, well, I'm not a woman in his head. He like, I would make them kill me. Right. And he's like, but I'm yeah. not a woman. And I think he realizes who he's talking to. And he's like, she's going to fight. 
So that's yeah. where he thinks on his feet and tries to get him to be uh, get, to get them to see her worth. Yeah. Yeah. It's the whole deal. Obviously, it's a terrible situation um, for them. Yes. And, and I say Brienne, Brienne's kind of dumb in this in this. She's a frustrating because Jamie tells a lie and she's like, we're known for blue waters, not for that. And he's like, I'm, I'm aware. And she's like, is everything out of your mouth a lie? And he's like, a lie that's saving your life. Like what? You know what I mean? It's like one of those times you're like, Brian, just shut yeah. up and, and, and go yeah. with it, please. Yeah. Yeah. You shout know? it a little louder. Wench. I don't think Urswick heard you. The sooner yeah, they know, saying, you, like I want to shake her, you know, honor right. without intelligence can lead to disaster. And that right. is exactly what Brian was heading down. If it wouldn't have been for Jamie. Right. The other thing, the, the other thing to take away from this too, also, by the way, is, um, you know, as we love to break down the codes of a song of ice and fire, the sapphire code, right? Which is that sapphires uh, happen to be something that, if anytime they appear, often lead to lies. Like huh. the color, the the color code. Have you, have you ever looked into that? The color codes of a song of ice and fire. I know the Arbor Gold people like some kind of scheme or yeah, sapphire, sapphire, sapphires is one that's usually dealing with lying. As you know, so like mayhaps and stuff like that too. Yeah, but sapphires uh, is definitely one about like lying. Yeah, I've heard of mayhaps as well, but I did not realize that sapphires were part of it. Yep. Huh. Yeah, sapphire, sapphires is part of it. And here, Jamie is trying to tell a lie with you know sapphires, um, being like, "Oh, it's this, it's the sapphire island." So, um, uh, as it kind of continues on here, and then the last thing that sort of happens is. Uh, Urswick comes in, you know, the fat doth uh Urswick shoved him in the back, and a jester in green and pink motley kicked his legs out from under him. When he hit the ground, one of the archers grabbed the chain between Jamie's wrist and used it to yank his arms out in front of him. The fat Dothraki put uh his knife aside to unsheathed a huge curved uh arc, the wickly sharp scythe sword from the, that the horse lords loved. They mean to scare me. The fool hopped on Jamie's back, giggling as the Dothraki swaggered towards him. The goat wants me to piss my britches and beg for his mercy, but he'll never have that pleasure. So here's Jamie also in a really bad situation thinking, nah, they're, not even, they're just trying to scare me. Nothing's going wrong. He's a Lannister of Castle Rock, Lord Commander of the King's Guard. No sellsword would make him scream. Um, sunlight ran silver along the edge of the arc as it came shivering down and almost too fast to see and Jamie screamed. So just like that brand chapter where brand thinks I never fall. Everyone says, Oh, brand be careful. I never fall. And he did technically, he didn't fall to, to his credit. Uh, brand did not actually fall since he was shoved. Yes. Um, it's kind of the, it's kind of the same thing too, which is why I, I brought I brought that up because I think they're kind of similar things. And obviously the connection between those two, I think, is something that like really parallels itself here. Oh, yeah. And and also just about the world that this implied safety based on your status is is kind of eroding. And it, it's going to continue to erode whenever we see the Starks underneath the treaty of, you know, breaking bread uh, and, and being underneath someone's roof is going to also be ignored, just like his status as a Lannister here. Yeah. Um, so let me pull this up here. Uh, so sapphires, I guess, sorry, sapphires don't necessarily, uh, I guess mean lies exactly. They actually mean, um, it's actually secrets, but in a way, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of lies too, because you're going to lie about something for it to be, uh, you know, like a secret. 
So yeah, yeah. so that that is that is what it is. But it does it does come out um, here as well. Hmm. Uh, I was just trying to find something else that uh, you know happens to come up that would be kind of interesting. There's a ton uh, of them uh, with 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 the sapphires, but yeah. So Jamie, as we said here same thing kind of i think that happens to brand is now his entire world has totally changed because of this and he didn't like he's going into it thinking that's not even gonna be the case yeah yeah people are getting the uh shocking sense of uh reality you know taste of reality that they didn't know that they were living in yeah mm, okay anything else uh on this chapter jimmy anything? no i feel like we, we wrapped it up pretty well i think so um you know, I'm I'm excited to kind of see what we can take away from this the next time we see Jamie, but also maybe the next time that uh, we run into Cersei as well. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, guys. Well, uh, as we said, uh, we've been saying these past couple weeks, if you guys want to, like, send us a raven ahead of time, uh, next time we'll be into Aria 4 of A Storm of Swords. You can do that uh, by sending us you know, a raven at btkcast at gmail.com or, you know, Instagram or any of the places you want to message us or our website itself, bendthenypodcast.com. You can do that because we'd love to share like your guys' thoughts and like, oh, here's what whoever said about this chapter or this thing or like one of your big takeaways from it as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so. Okay, so with that, like we said, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. Our next episodes, we will be discussing a Storm of Swords Aria 4. And if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com or bendthenepodcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember that winter is coming. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.